0: He is risen online. I want you to type it in the chat one time that he is risen one more time. He is risen indeed. You know, the truth is, whether it is new or familiar, Resurrection Sunday never ceases. It never stops to be a miracle. You know, in life, there are moments for all of us that are deemed impossible until they aren't. Historical moments such as humanity walking on the moon, impossible until it wasn't. Or perhaps personal journey moments such as hearing words, you're in remission following a long treatment process, or forgiveness received in a relationship, or how many of you know that one day we will hear this pandemic is over, all right? Virus may not go away, but this will be over. Miracles and breakthroughs, they still happen, but they usually, usually only follow hardship, moments of breaking. If there was no death, then there could be no resurrection. And Resurrection Sunday is the story of what happens when hope dies. But it is equally the story of what happens when our hero conquers sin, death, and the grave. See, there's always tragedy before triumph. Always. Even though Jesus said that he was going to die and even though Jesus rose his friend Lazarus from the dead, Jesus himself dying hit differently because there was this growing belief in who Jesus was. There was this burgeoning hope within the first followers of Jesus, that he was the one who was going to overthrow Rome, that he was the one who was going to bring freedom to the captives, that he was the one who was to set them free from the oppression that they were experiencing. And that was precisely Jesus' plan, although his plan looked different than they perceived. I love how James says this about his own brother, Jesus. And if your own brother can attest that you're the Christ... If your own brother can see that in you, man, oh man. I love how James says this says that in Jesus, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change, that in Jesus, that there's no gaps, there's no hidden life, there's no secret sin. I want you to know, church, that leaders fail, but we have a savior that never failed, that following his death, there's no scandal, there's no story, there's no other end that we're waiting for a shoe to drop. The scripture says that in Jesus, there is no variation, no shadow due to change. If you read, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, what you will discover is that Jesus said, I'm the way, truth, and life. Everywhere he went, he pointed people and said, Not this way, this way. Everywhere he went, those who were sick received healing. Those who were blind received sight. In other words, he's the way, he's the truth. He led people to truth and he brought life everywhere with him, with his words, with his deeds. Every act that Jesus actually engaged in was an act of love, bringing life to every one of us. It wasn't always nice. Sometimes he had very pointed and challenging words, but they were always rooted in the affection of his heart, in love leading us to life. Jesus does all of these things, and then as we looked at on Good Friday, he dies. And while on the cross, what was the single accusation pitted against him? If you are the king of the Jews, if you are who you say you are, save yourself. And once again, as we shared on Good Friday, there is nothing paradigm shifting, no breakthrough found in our lives, singing the same tired song of trying to save ourselves. John 15, verse 13, Jesus uttered these words. Jesus said, this is the pinnacle of love. In a culture that has made sexuality the pinnacle of love, Jesus says something entirely different. Jesus says the pinnacle of love is not self-expression, it is self-sacrifice. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus didn't just say it, he did it. Humanity always wants Resurrection Sunday without going through Good Friday. Yet in order for there to be something brand new, Jesus had to suffer and die because this too was part of God making something new. Because the heart of God was not just the resurrection of Jesus, but for everyone today and any day who puts their faith in Christ that they too can move from sin to forgiven, from self to serving, ultimately from death to life, as you heard Josh share his story and the story of his father just moments ago. Brian Zahn says it this way, that the crucifixion is not defeat overturned by the resurrection. The crucifixion is a victory that is revealed in the resurrection. God for us means that Jesus dies the death that we deserve to give us something new. In the chat, I want you to write the word new. And if you're here in person, you can whisper under your breath new. Because resurrection was new. The first response to it was unbelief. When hope died, their hope was crushed. And hope deferred always, as the scriptures teach, makes the heart sick. And this is why Easter is not merely a single day. It is a series of days starting with Palm Sunday and works right through to Resurrection Sunday. Each day and each detail is Absolutely significant here. In the story of Easter, whether it is a colt there or a breaking of bread here, foot washing there and a rooster here or a cross there and an empty tomb today, every detail of the story matters because all of it paints a picture of hope and love. Just like in your story What might seem like a mere day is just a divine setup in your destiny. God was doing something new, not recycled a little bit better, but absolutely new. And the defining moment of God doing all of these things new, all of these details culminating into a single powerful moment, experience or day, this single moment which convicted or convinced, I should say, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Thomas, and Mary, even the brother of Jesus, James, that Jesus was who he said he was, is Resurrection Sunday. Perhaps you are engaged here or at home, and this Sunday for you, the claims of Christianity are hard for you to believe that in your heart there is doubt about who Jesus is, I want you to know that you're in good company because even those who first followed Jesus found it hard to believe. Here's what the scripture says in Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 11. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. prepared. And when they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, they went Um, But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, and how many know that would be perplexing? If you show up expecting to find somebody dead and they're not there, I think that is the worst word that you could use. They were perplexed. I think a little more than perplexed. Behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? You see, just a few days earlier, they would have been accurate and correct. They would have found Jesus dead. But here is not that, that something is absolutely changed. They say to them, Why do you look for life in dead things? Because that is something that the God speaks to all of our hearts. Why do you and I look for life in things that are dead, things that are temporal? Why do we look for ultimate things in perishing things like gold and silver and things that we can buy that just don't add up to really much at all? Why do we orient around our our lives, around things that are just so small when we can orient them around something that is of such significance? Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day. And it says they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. It says this, and this is always significant. I love to point this out every single Resurrection Sunday. It's one of my favorite things to do every year. It says, now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the other women. If you're in the chat, write the word women. And if you're here, say the word women. It was women who went to the tomb to believe, actually to see, to engage. It was women who first received the message, the theology that Jesus has risen from the dead. And it was women who went to the original disciples and declared who Jesus was. The original disciples were hiding over there in unbelief, but it was the women who were faithful. And so we, yeah, so we believe wholeheartedly. That if Jesus can entrust the gospel, the the, the most, the linchpin, the story of resurrection to women, that being a minister of the gospel is not based on gender, but it is based on gifting that God has given. Whether male or female, Jew or Greek, black, white, or Asian, every single one of us are created in the image and the likeness of God. And so here, some things, some things change, and some things just don't change. Here's what doesn't change, and I'm sad to report it. It's right here in the story. Now, when Mary and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women went with them and told all these things to the apostles, it says, but these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they didn't believe them. So men didn't believe then, and we still don't believe now, okay? We still, well, I'm not quite sure that's it. So, you know, in 2,000 years, women, you've had it right. Just have a little bit of patience. We'll get there one day. Perhaps, though, you today are like Peter and you choose to believe that your life is defined based upon what you do. Peter did deny Jesus, but aren't you glad that's not the final step in his story? Jesus said to Peter, yeah, you're not only the one who betrayed but your destiny is to invite thousands of others. I'm gonna use your life, Peter, to make a Jesus-sized difference. The very thing that the enemy meant to destroy and to create doubt in your life is the very thing that I am going to use in your life, and you are gonna make a Jesus-sized difference. And one day, shortly following this day, he moves from being one to betrays, who he preaches about who Jesus is, including the resurrection of Jesus, and thousands of followers of Jesus actually turn their hearts and surrender their hearts to jesus that day and belong to the kingdom of god again just like you heard in the story moments ago one act of following can still still change the heart of anyone anywhere anytime perhaps today you're more like thomas and it isn't that you have betrayed but you just have a lot of doubts J.R. Vassar says that Satan is the father of lies. So anytime you see lives and half-truths being propagated, the kingdom of darkness is inspiring and encouraging it. But I've got better news than what the enemy is up to because Resurrection Sunday is the Sunday where we celebrate Jesus' victory over not just death and not just sin, but over the enemy himself the same Mark. So Thomas, you have Thomas full of doubts. Has it ever occurred to you why the resurrected Jesus, when he shows up, still bears the scars, the wounding of the cross? There is something I think significant and powerful in that. A resurrected body should not bear anything. It should be fully transformed, fully new. But there's something about this story that is significant, that it is not a disjointed story. It is a connected story. And as I heard, Pastor Stephen Furtick share so well, that the same wounds that Jesus had on his hands or on his wrists, depending on which translation or historical, you know, reading of the crucifixion that you have, the same marks that signify Jesus's death are the same ones that brings Thomas's healing. And so here's what is powerful, that your wound isn't the final thing in your story, that in Jesus, the very scar that you have on your hand or in your life or that you've experienced, God can absolutely do something new and extraordinary, that when you look at the risen Savior, he still has scars or nail prints in his hand and a thorn in his side or thorn prints in his side. There's a mark where the spear went, and Jesus literally says, touch these wounds so that your doubt can absolutely be obliterated. And here's the truth for me, and here's the truth for you today watching online. The heart is this. Don't define your story in what happened to you. Define your story in what happened to Jesus. I'm not diminishing or denying the wounds that you've experienced, but those wounds are not there to define the entirety of your story. They were a part of your story, but in Christ, he can do something new. And so Thomas moves from doubt and he moves to daring and Thomas brings the gospel to places who had never heard the name of Jesus. And so full of faith, Thomas actually denies, I'm sorry, dies. Thomas, the one who denies, dies, confessing Jesus on his lips. The resurrected Jesus for us means that we too are defined by newness. And this is not just a New Testament thing. Ezekiel promises that you and I in Christ can be given a new heart. John promised us a new birth. 2 Corinthians says that we're a new creation. Romans declares that we have new life. Galatians says God will give us new desires. Mark affirms we are born into a new family. Luke shares that we all have a new common enemy. And it's no longer one another. We have a different enemy. Romans says that we serve in a new way of this spirit, not by law or code. Second Peter shouts that when Jesus rose from the dead, that you and I were given a new hope. And Second Peter 3 verse 13 says this, but according to his promise, we are awaiting new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. And so Life Center, on Resurrection Sunday, this New hope in the risen Jesus is not evacuation. You do not just have to wait until God comes and brings you home. That is not the heart of the gospel. Everywhere around, there are people who need the message of Jesus. They need to hear the gospel of Jesus. Don't live your life so small that it's just thinking about yourself. Wake into something new and afresh. So the message of Resurrection Sunday is not evacuation, just again, that God Just waiting till God brings me home, nor is it mere explanation. Well, it doesn't make sense now, but one day God will explain everything to us. Yes, there's mystery, but Resurrection Sunday is not evacuation, and it is not explanation, nor is it compensation. Whatever isn't good, God will make up to you. That's not the heart of Resurrection Sunday, no. What the heart of Resurrection Sunday is not evacuation, it's not explanation, it is not compensation, it is what we have been sharing all morning. It is new, because new is better than each of those things and the sum of all of those things. Revelation 21, verses 3 to 5 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, not divided, not separated, but united. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away and he who was seated on the throne said behold I am making an evacuation an explanation or a compensation no 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 he said behold I am making all things not some things not little things not big things I am making all things new. And also he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. New does not mean healed. New does not mean fixed. New does not mean recycled. New does not mean repaired. New means as though it never happened in the first place at all. Only one king courageously laid down his life and rose again to conquer sin, Satan, death, hell, and the grave. So the question is, why do I believe this to be true? The answer is very simple. Our God is a covenant-keeping God. What he says he will do, he does. Sure, in his time and in his providence, but he is faithful. Because today, from Genesis to Revelation, the resurrection story that we are engaged in today about the hope that we have in a risen savior is not disconnected from the Old Testament story of who God is. This is not two different gods. This is one God. Because it was the same God who was faithful to the children of Israel to bring them out of Egypt and into the promised land. This is the same God who said he would send a Messiah that he would send not just a prophet, but himself. And he sent humanity. He sent us his son. It is the same God who fulfilled both death and resurrection. Is the same God who promises one day to make all things new. And my track record, just like your track record, isn't perfect. In me, there's shadow. In me, there's variation. In me, there's fallenness. But in him, there is none. When I lack faith, he remains faithful. When I have doubt, he remains steadfast. When I can't see. He is Alpha and he is Omega. And so when I look at Genesis and I look at Exodus and I look at the story of Israel and I look at the story of Peter and I look at the story of Thomas and I look at the story of Mary and I look at my life and I look at your life and I listen to Josh's story and I listen to millions of stories around the world. Church, we serve a God who is faithful in this day like he was in that day. Do not root your faith in your story. Root your faith in a story that is greater and grander than your story. A story that is faultless and faithful throughout all time and all history. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 32, then 35 to 39 says, If God is for us, then who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son. Because once again, there's no Resurrection Sunday without Good Friday. We can't get to forgiven without repentance. We can't get to new life without dying to ourselves. Dying to ourselves is not the end of the story. It's just a part of the story to get what God desires to do. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will we not also with him graciously give us all things Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, sword, or pandemic? I added that. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. What would cause men and women to lovingly sacrifice their own lives. It is they have got hold of a truth that transformed not just a part of their Sunday, but of every single part of their story. You and I as followers of Jesus are not merely called to come to church. We are called to be the church. We are called to minister to the lost and broken world in which we live. That we are not perfect, but we point to the one who is. That you and I, where we are faltering, we don't hide it, but we run to God not from God for healing. No, it says in all these things, you and I are more than conquerors. Through who? Through him who loved us. For I am sure that it, that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why? Because the tomb is empty. Because the cross is a finished work. Because you and I have a savior who doesn't discard us in our doubt or turn us back when we betray. We have a savior who washed our feet. We have a savior who he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. And we have a savior who when everything in this world was thrown at him, not even death can hold him. And so church today, what Mary, what Martha, what Joanna, what Peter, what Thomas, and what millions of people from that point until this point, billions have put their faith in, is the finished work of the cross and the power of an empty tomb. Whether new or familiar, Resurrection Sunday never stops being a miracle. I'm gonna invite you at home and here to stand. Yes, you heard me. I'm gonna invite you at home or here to stand. Even if you're alone, just stand. I'll never know. And I'm gonna invite you to put your hands in front of you like this. For some of you, this is the moment that changes your life forever. Together, let's pray and say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me just the way I am, yet loving me enough not to leave me the way I am. So I confess that I'm a sinner and I trust you to save me today. Be my Savior and the leader of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that, you can just go to connect.lifecenter.org. We'd love to connect with you. But as I said a moment ago, church, whether new or familiar, Resurrection Sunday never stops being a miracle. And so as we close today, let's sing about this great miracle.